Lord, we thank you for this time of reflection as we think about the sacrifice and your work on the cross on our behalf. Lord, I pray that today in light of your work on Calvary, Lord, we would respond by giving you every single part of who we are. Thank you for what you're going to do, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, if you have a copy of God's Word, I invite you to open it with me. We're going to be in Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23. We're concluding the Life Hacks series today. I hope that you have enjoyed this month. And when I say enjoyed, I I say that word a little loosely because it's been intense, hasn't it? It has been one of those series that has confronted us and challenged us in many ways. Yet, even in the midst of the confrontation, God is good. He's teaching us and working in the midst of us. Uh, The tagline of this message and this series has been biblical solutions for life's biggest problems. And this has been kind of a unique series for us because generally, at this point in our message, what we will be doing is going through a passage of Scripture verse by verse and seeing what the Lord has for us, working our way through Scripture. And we're doing that today, but what we've been doing in this series is kind of taking a step back and asking for the whole counsel of Scripture on certain topics. And there are times where it's appropriate to do that. So we've talked about how we manage our time. We've talked about the importance of making time with the Lord a priority. We've talked about managing our finances. And all in the midst of that, we have said that it's gotten a little bit too personal. That, that the Lord has just kind of found his way into every single nook and cranny of our life and that it's just gotten really, really intense for us. We tend to want to have Jesus over here and spiritual things over here. And then we want to kind of have this other stuff in our life. But we've discovered that Jesus wants all of it. And, and the reality today is if you think this message or this series has been intense so far today, it may get a little more intense because we're talking about our health, specifically We're going to talk about God's wisdom for food. And let me just tell you something. This has been a series so far where there's been a lot of questions, a lot of conversations throughout the week. But I've had a lot of conversations this week about, hey, man, what are you going to say Sunday? People have been a little nervous. They're like, how are you going to talk about that? What are we going to do? What's that going to look like? And people have been like, do you realize it's Super Bowl Sunday? And I do recognize that. And by the way, Super Bowl Sunday, there's probably a lot of snacking going on. I read an article this week that people on snacks alone, on average, will consume around 1,200 calories for snacks. Speaking of snacks, praise... Backdoor delivery, I don't know. You ordered it, so... Okay, yeah. Sorry. I kind of want to see... Oh, oh my goodness. This is an entire chicken. That is it. I'm really impressed by this. I don't even understand how that happened. That is amazing. And there's a Dr. Pepper here. So first service, this was donuts and chips and salsa. Uh, and I took a bite of the donut, and it was a mistake. Have you ever, like, as soon as you do something, like, it was a terrible idea. I took a bite of this donut, and it just sat there. Like, I was like, uh, so I yelled back. I said, P-Bob, I need a Dr. Pepper. So he's delivered. So he's trying to help me practice what I preach, too. Look at that chicken. That, that's good. I'm going to move it back so the smell doesn't tempt me to... Uh, snack during the message and it's good you i see some of y'all eating your donuts during church if i get hungry i'm just going to go back there and eat some chicken deal all right cool 
So we are talking about food today. And listen, this can be a very touchy subject. It can be a difficult subject to talk about. And I'm kind of glad to be addressing this today because I I know that there are times where I will kind of admit my failings to you. And I can almost sense the inward eye roll like, oh, Pastor Rusty doesn't think he prays enough, you know. And it's kind of those moments where we think, oh, yeah, sure, but, but it's not really. You don't understand what's going on. But today as we approach the issue of biblical health, I'm obviously still in the midst of this struggle with many of you today. I don't look like a picture of health. I'll just admit that. In fact, I told the first service I look more like the before picture on every miracle diet infomercial you've ever seen. But in all seriousness, this has really been a struggle for me for my entire life. And I have kind of a weird experience because I've actually ended up in weird ways being on both sides of the spectrum. Several years ago, I began losing weight and just really got into it, got into exercising and, and just eating nothing but chicken minus the Dr. Peppers. And like I, I lost enough weight that I literally kind of got to the unhealthy end on the other end of the spectrum. So I have this weird perspective of actually being picked on in my lifetime for being skinny and I've also been picked on for being fat and let me just tell you neither of those feels good neither of those are a good place to be in our lives and some of you have been in those situations and you know the the unique pain and guilt and shame that come with that but I need you to understand something you may have never struggled with that part of your health your entire life but can I tell you doesn't matter where you're at doesn't matter what your background is or what you've struggled with in your life almost all of us have made poor choices in our lives when it comes to our health and we've made poor choices in our lives when it comes to specifically how we deal with food and I want to just tell you right out of the gate before we dive really in deep today That this isn't about weight. This isn't about being skinny or fat or somewhere in between. This isn't about being defined by the world's physical standards. Instead, this is a message about learning to think about our health in a way that resonates with the word of God. Because here's the truth. We've said this every single week with every single topic we've covered. Our health matters to God. Our health matters to God. We said in the first message that our time belongs to God and matters to God. Last week we said our money matters to God. And today we're seeing that even our health matters to God. Throughout God's word, we see passages that speak directly to the issue of our health. The word that we've used throughout this series is stewardship. It's the idea that everything you have in this life is simply a gift from God. And we are just caretakers or stewards of those gifts. So in this context, our bodies are a gift from God, and you and I have been blessed with these bodies so that we can make a difference for God's kingdom. We're only stewards or caretakers of this flesh we call home. So we need to take care of the bodies that belong to God in our life, and we want to see how we can best use these jars of clay, these earthly shelters to make a difference while the Lord leaves us here. So as we think about health, we could really talk about a a myriad of issues, right? Uh, Exercise, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 4, exercises of some value. Uh, And then it goes on to say, but exercising yourself in the word of God is of infinitely more value. But it recognizes that, hey, exercise is a good thing. This is healthy for us. It's a good thing. We could probably talk about taking care of yourself by seeking wise counsel by going to the doctor. How about that? Right. Uh, Some of you are like, I'm out. Right. I I don't know about you, but I wait till I'm like on death's doorstep to go to the doctor uh, when perhaps, you know, my kids do these things called checkups. Have you ever heard of those? I don't understand that. Like, I don't feel bad. Why would I go? 
go to the doctor. We could talk about maybe those types of things. But what I want us to really hone in on today is something the Bible has much to say on. And that would be the topic specifically of food, what we eat and what we drink. The Bible has a lot to say about food. In fact, the food plays a very prominent role in Scripture. The very first sin, sin enters the world through a food choice. Noah gets off the ark and he embarrasses himself by having too much to drink. Esau sold his birthright for a bowl of soup. God's people wandering in the desert, apart from God's presence and provision, the most important provision they had was manna provided to them. We could keep going in the Old Testament, but for time's sake, let's fast forward to the time of Christ. The number one accusation levied against Jesus by other people was, all he does is eat and drink. They're just having a good time. Every time we turn around, the disciples are eating. They're just eating and drinking and just partying and having a great time. When Jesus ascends into heaven and institutes the church, he only really gives us two ordinances. And one of those ordinances is a special way to remember his death, burial, and resurrection. How do we do that? By sharing a meal together, communion or the Lord's Supper, as we just did together. And we're told that at the end of time that we are to look forward to the marriage supper of the Lamb. So the fall of man happens with man mismanaging food. And the end of time ends with Jesus redeeming food and using it as a cause to celebrate his eternal victory and dominion. That's quite a turnaround, isn't it? So Jesus is redeeming food. Yet the reality is we live here and exist here somewhere in the middle of that process where Jesus is still working to redeem us and the way that we interact with food. So with all of this in mind, I want to kind of just look at our anchor text for the day here in Proverbs 23. Proverbs 23 will start in verse 19. The word of God says this. Hear, my son, and be wise, and direct your heart in the way. Be not among drunkards or among gluttonous eaters of meat, for the drunkard and the glutton will come to poverty, and slumber will clothe them with rags. Will you pray with me? Lord, we just come to you asking for your help. Lord, we we know that we're addressing things that are sensitive to us and that, that come with a lot of baggage, if we're honest. And Lord, I know that you have truth for us to see today. I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts that are receptive to your word. Give us your wisdom for the way we interact with food and the way we interact really with everything in your world. We love you and we thank you for what you're going to do. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, the book of Proverbs is essentially a collection of sayings. Some of you have maybe read Proverbs daily in your Bible reading. If you're looking for something to add, it's a pretty cool thing to do. There's 31 Proverbs, so you can read a proverb a day corresponding with that day on the calendar. A lot of folks I know do that. And what you're going to discover as you read through Proverbs is that the first 10 chapters are very thematic, meaning that from the first verse to the end, they kind of are carrying along an idea or a concept. But once you get after those first 10 chapters, you're going to see that throughout much of Proverbs, it's literally just a collection of sayings. It almost seems randomly put together, and they really kind of are. But that's the Holy Spirit's intention when he put it together. It's a collection of really pithy statements that we can remember and apply to our lives in real and direct ways. 
So the reason I share that with you is because we just jumped right into the middle of a chapter and oftentimes we'll say, well, what's the context of that? Here in the book of Proverbs, there's not really a broader context. This is a section of verses in the midst of this where the writer decides to hone in on the issue of food and drink. So the first thing we see in this text is that food is a heart issue. Food is a heart issue. Food is a matter of the heart. And when I say heart, I'm not talking about the center of your cardiovascular system. So chill out. Your bacon and uh, donuts and all those things are safe for, for now, at least. When the Bible talks about the heart, it's talking about the spiritual center of who we are. The spiritual center of who we are. So in essence, in the very beginning of this passage, we see that food is a very spiritual issue. This verse says, Direct your heart in the way. As you read through Proverbs, one of the things you'll see is that very clearly throughout the entire book, we're presented with two choices. We can walk in God's way and wisdom. To walk in wisdom, the way of wisdom is to walk in God's direction and walk in the way that we know he is calling us to walk. The other way is the way of foolishness, which would be to walk in our own ways or walk according to the wisdom of the world. So we have a choice. We can walk in the ways of God and the ways of wisdom, or we can walk in the way of foolishness in our own direction. The choice is ours. And Proverbs is going to lay that out over and over and over again. The beauty of Proverbs is that it really shows us that a lot of the issues in our lives are spiritual issues. Again, like I said earlier, and what we've said a few times in the midst of this series is our lives are not separated by Jesus-y issues and other issues. The book of Proverbs is going to talk about relationships, your work, your money, your health. It's going to just a myriad of very practical things, parenting, uh, obeying your parents. All of this is covered in the book of Proverbs. And in every single one of these very carefully and intentionally talked about things, we have a choice. We can walk in God's wisdom on these issues or we can walk according to the wisdom of the world. So the question for us is, will we follow the wisdom of God when it comes to the issue of food? Notice this phrase, direct your heart. We as Christ followers need to just acknowledge that this is a heart issue. And we need to set our minds and our hearts to intentionally think about the ways that we consume our food and our drink. God is speaking into this issue today, I believe, and has throughout human history because food is a powerful, powerful force in our lives. Think about this. Food affects us physiologically. If we eat too much food, then we change physically. If we don't eat enough food, we literally change physiologically. There you go. You're welcome. I'm trying to think of some other uh, good words I could botch before we continue. I'm just going to stay with physiological. I practiced in the mirror this morning and everything. I'm kidding. But food doesn't just affect us physically. How else does food affect us emotionally, right? Food is a very emotional thing for us. Any stress eaters in the house? What? What? <laughs> oh, wait, never mind. We shouldn't be building camaraderie around that. <laughs> it's easy for us to take comfort in food. I think we express love through food, don't we? We, we can literally find ourselves addicted to food. Food can be a terrible, terrible taskmaster. It's a powerful thing. So it makes sense that the Lord would say, hey, don't forget to intentionally think about this. Don't just do this, but stop and think about the way we consume food. 
The text reveals that there are two ways to think about food. And as we think of stewardship, we can use food as a gift for our glory or we can use it as a gift for God's glory. This is the essential struggle with food. Is food for our glory or is it for God's glory? And the way that you answer that really determines your relationship with food. 1 Corinthians 10.31 is a verse you probably are familiar with that says, So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Now when we hear that verse generally, we latch on to the whatever you do, and we're like, I'm going to do everything for God's glory. And praise God, yes and amen, that is a fair and good application of that text. But the text is actually talking about food and drink. The way we eat and drink. So the reality is that there is a way for us as the people of God to eat and drink in such a way that it brings glory to God. That's what we need to find this morning, isn't it? How can I eat and drink and relate to food in such a way that God is glorified through this? Because if we choose to use food to just simply glorify and satisfy ourselves, then as verse 21 here of chapter 23 says, that doesn't end well for us. It ends in our destruction. When we don't relate to food in a proper way, we use it for our glory and for our good. And we end up using it for things it was never meant to be. We medicate ourselves with food. Do you realize that there are more people today self-medicating with food than there are self-medicating with drugs and alcohol? And that's a path that leads to our ruin. It leads to an unhealthy life. So the question becomes, how do we... Use food and drink in a way that brings glory to God, in a way that makes us physically healthy, but really more importantly than that, spiritually healthy. Again, for the last time in this series, I want to just remind you that I am a pastor. This is a pulpit. That's the last time y'all get that. This is a pulpit. And this is a church. And we as the people of God are here not to give diet advice. Uh, I'm not Dr. Oz, okay? I'm not going to pitch a, a, like a really great idea for us to, hey, here's a book you can buy and you're going to lose a bunch of weight, which might be a good idea to uh, pay off the building and stuff, but we'll talk about that later. i got to get an after picture first, but we'll work on it. But what we're here to do is to look at a biblical picture of health. What does it look like for us to be the people of God? So what I want us to do is look in this proverb and around this proverb a little bit to kind of develop some applications when it comes to this question. How do we glorify God with our food? So first, we see that we glorify God with our food when we enjoy it. When we enjoy it. Food was created to be enjoyed. Food is created to be enjoyed. Look across the page in your Bible. You may have to turn a page to Proverbs 24, verse 13. Look at that with me. It says this. My son, eat honey, for it is good, and the drippings of the honeycomb are sweet to your taste. Now, the writer here is not encouraging the young man to uh, eat, get some locally sourced honey because of an allergy problem, okay? That's not what's happening here. But in this day, honey was literally their source of sweetness. It was the equivalent to our modern-day sugar. So basically, this in a modern reading could say something like this. My son, go get you a big old bowl of Fruity Pebbles. And while you're at it, get you some peanut M&Ms too. I'm just up here talking about my favorite foods, all right? And why does he say that they ought to do that? Why does he say that they should eat that food? Because it's good. That's the reasoning. He says, go get some honey because, man, it's sweet. It's awesome. It's an enjoyable thing. And God has created it for us to be able to enjoy it. 
Why? Because when we enjoy it, it should cause us to turn and praise Him and thank Him for giving us the awesome gift of food. Consider this, there are a lot of animals and creatures that eat only for nourishment. There's no enjoyment. It's just this passive process of putting calories in their bodies. Yet God created us with over 10,000 taste buds. We taste sour and sweet and savory and all of that just because God created us to be able to enjoy this gift. God did this so that we could enjoy food in such a way that causes us to point to him and rejoice in how awesome he is for blessing us with this gift. So think about it this way. Every time we eat, it is an opportunity for us to worship the God who not only provides us with what we need for nourishment, but has created us to be able to enjoy the food he's created. We glorify God when we enjoy our food. The second thing we need to think about, though, is uh, literally thinking about how we consume food. How do we glorify God? By enjoying our food, but also we glorify God by thinking about how we consume food. Like so many other things, we would do well to stop and consider how we relate to food. Verse 19 says that we must intentionally direct our hearts to think properly about the role of food in our lives. Now, listen, this is for every single one of us. Whether this has been a struggle in your life or not, the reality is we all need to stop down and think about the way we interact with food. We need to direct our hearts Godward so we can think about his purposes for our food. You realize this is why we pray before we eat. I think it's kind of interesting that in most of our lives, and I'll just confess for me, this has kind of become an obligatory kind of deal, right? Oh, before we eat, let's, let's pray real quick. And I was joking in the first service that I'm, you know, I'm the preacher in our family. So there's a couple of us. But, you know, when you're at a family gathering, I'm going to have to pray like you just know it's like not even a question. In fact, right before I came up here, they were like, Rusty, will you pray? And I'm like, nope. One of y'all need to pray. Y'all need to catch up, obviously. OK, so just talk to the Lord. Uh, sorry, I slipped into testimony time there. Back to what we're talking about. But at the church I used to be on staff at several years ago, one of our associate pastors was that guy. He was the one when we were going to pray before a meal. Uh, Pastor Mike was the prayer guy. And he would always pray during his meal and say something along the lines of this. Lord, help us to be mindful of those who have nothing. And I'm just a young guy in my early 20s. And I would always go and harass him and be like, way to go, Debbie Downer. You're bringing the place down. We're having, we're here at a covered dish meal. What are you trying to do? Cut down on how much food people take? But the reality is there's so much wisdom in stopping to think before we consume food. And listen, you may not get anything else from this message, but can I tell you, this is something that I think could transform your life and your family. What if before every time you started to eat, you stopped and said, God, thank you for providing this for me, for my family. Help me relate properly to this food as I eat it for your honor and for your glory. That would be a game changer, wouldn't it? Such a simple thing, but we've kind of turned it into a cursory, obligatory matter. But what if we stopped down and said, God, thank you and help us? That would be a great value to us. But I want us to look at two broad categories. So how do we think about how we consume food? That's a good application, but how do we do that? Well, two broad categories. First, you see the word up here, nourishment. 
So God has provided for us, and the vast majority of the food we eat should be surrounding this aspect of eating, nourishment. We eat because God has created our bodies in such a way that they convert food to energy so that we can use our bodies for his glory. But for many of us, mealtime has become not just the time where we refill our energy tanks, but if you're like me, you also have several like five-gallon buckets of energy just in case around, right? And we're just filling all of that up. But what if we stopped and we said, I am eating to sustain me. What do I need? Think about how different our lives would be. In your study guide, it has that quote that you've probably heard before that says, eat to live, don't live to eat. It's kind of the same thought here. But this is tough for us because we live in a culture that is all about food. Food is everywhere, and we have a quantity over quality mindset in our country. So we need to stop and actively think about what we're eating. And I think that this brings glory to God because not only are we being good stewards of our body, but we're being good stewards of the gift of food. So most of the eating in our lives should revolve around nourishment. God has blessed us. And and let me just tell you something. Think about this. Now, some of you like healthy food, and I'm, I'm still trying, okay? I'm not all the way there yet. But even that, even the foods that, that you don't enjoy as much as the foods that you might shouldn't enjoy as much as you do, we still taste them, and it still is an enjoyable process. And God has even designed our taste buds where if you try to change your eating habits over time, you start to enjoy things you didn't like before. And that, uh, my kid's not in here, but, uh, that's, uh, you just gotta, I remember my parents trying to drill that into me. Just try it. If you, hey, if you eat it, you'll find yourself. Can I just tell you something? The first cup of coffee I had, I was like, what is this disgusting drink? Now I'd like drink enough that it's very unhealthy and I don't want to convict myself about this message, but like I'm all about it because I have acquired that taste. God has given us an ability that you can even change the things you like and don't like if we direct our heart Godward in this. That's astounding to me. Even that nourishment, healthy eating can be something that we can learn to enjoy. I'm not there yet. just want to throw that out there. So we eat for nourishment, but there are also times in our lives where we eat in celebration. Ah, yeah, now, now you're back, okay? Some of you checked out for the last ten minutes. You're like, amen, amen, celebration time. But the Bible is big on this, y'all. Nourishment is a continual thing, but times of celebration should only be occasional. Notice that in the Bible there are many feasts and food was obviously a big part of these celebrations. So it is more than appropriate at times in our lives to stop down and literally feast as we remember the Lord's work in our lives and in our families. So again, if you have a Super Bowl party planned, you're good to go, okay? Had multiple people after the first service. So I guess we're just supposed to cancel now? No, it's okay. But here's where we need a little bit of help. The difficulty comes for us in differentiating between these two types of eating. I don't know about you, but I tend to eat pretty much all the time in celebration mode. My life's one big celebration. You call it a, you call it a feast. I call it Tuesday. All right. It's like I made it through a long day. Praise the Lord. Let's go out and eat. Uh, hey, it's a new week. God's given us a brand new week. I'm off on Mondays most of the time. So, hey, it's a day off. Let's just enjoy ourselves. Let's celebrate by going out to eat. <sighs> made it through my first work day of the week. Let's celebrate. Hey, it's Wednesday hump day. We made it. Let's go out. And I'm telling you, before long, my entire week has been celebration mode. And listen, 
the discipline of celebrating is not lacking in my life. I am making up reasons to celebrate and making up excuses constantly. It's a good reason to get together and eat. I mean, we've turned, look, our country, we've turned a football game now into a yearly feast. It's like a New Year's resolution buster right here. You know, like, let's put it far enough out. There may still be a few people hanging on. We're going to get them, right? So we live in this celebration mode all the time, and that has consequences. We become gluttons, and we, we either can gain weight or even develop a myriad of health problems. But on the other side of this, remember we talked about the pendulum last week, okay? There's this effect where some of us are always in celebration mode. This is all we do. We never really think about what we're eating and how we're relating to food. But on the other side of that, if we're not careful, there's some who can't eat and enjoy food without feeling guilt and shame. And that's not a healthy place to be either. Both sides of this are dangerous. We need the Lord's help to properly relate to food. We need to eat for nourishment consistently Don't be afraid to celebrate and enjoy God's gift of food when it's appropriate. The last thing here is really the best. I saved the best for last. Aren't you glad for that? Nobody is. That's all right, though. Here's this truth. You ready? So good. Let food remind us of the gospel. Every good thing in this world is designed and created to point our hearts to the greater good that is Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Look back across the page there in Proverbs 24. We read verse 13 earlier. Verse 13 said, my son, eat honey for it is good. Now skip with me to verse 14. It says this, know that wisdom is such to your soul. If you find it, there will be a future and your hope will not be cut off. Did you see what the writer did here? This is so good. So good. He said, you know, your favorite food, whatever it is for you, your favorite meal, your favorite, maybe it's something sweet, maybe it's savory. The food that you just say, this is my favorite thing to eat in the entire world. I know I'm making some of you hungry right now, but just hang on with me for a few more minutes, okay? Whatever that is in your life, as satisfied as you are when you get to enjoy that, as meaningful as it is, as feel good and comforting as that is to your heart and your soul when you get to enjoy that, the writer says that the wisdom of God is that for your soul. That it satisfies you like nothing else has ever satisfied or ever will satisfy you again. Unlike your favorite food, if you keep eating it, you're going to get sick. Or if you stop eating it, you're going to want some more of it the next day. But if you get the wisdom of God, your soul will be satisfied in a way that lasts for all eternity. Forever and ever and ever. You say, well, how do I get that wisdom? You don't just like roll up to the church. I'll take a number seven with some extra wisdom, please. How do we get this wisdom? 1 Corinthians one twenty four is going to tell us this, that Jesus Christ is the wisdom and power of God. It's Jesus. So this proverb in the Old Testament is really pushing us toward the gospel. Teaching us that when we eat our healthy and nourishing meals, that it should cause us to say, Lord, thank you for being the constant nourishment of my soul day in and day out as I live for you in everything that I do. 
And when we eat our favorite meals in celebration mode, we ought to be mindful of Jesus and the victory that he secured for us on the cross. And that should just be a shadow or quite literally a foretaste of the glory that awaits for us at the marriage supper of the Lamb. I want to just simply close today with a verse we've already acknowledged, 1 Corinthians 10.31. It says, so whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. That's our prayer, isn't it? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? I want to give us just a moment. Our worship team will lead us in a song here in a moment, but I want to give us a moment in the quiet here to reflect upon not only today's message, but really this entire series. Are we being good stewards of the many, many blessings God has given us? Take some time to just ask God to help you be a good steward of all these blessings. Your time, your time with Him, your money, food, and all the other blessings we didn't even get to address in this series. Ask God to help you use all the blessings He's given you to further His gospel. Take a moment to pray, and I'll close us in a moment. Lord, we don't want to live for ourselves and for our own glory. We want to do everything whether we're eating or drinking or whatever we're doing, we want to do it for your honor and for your glory. We want to use all the resources you have given us to reach, teach, live, and love like you. Lord, may we, as your people, surrender everything we are to you so that you could use us in a mighty way We love you and we thank you for all your many blessings. May we use them wisely and direct our hearts to walk in your way.